Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Gary Kravitz. Gary has spent a majority of his career helping the county firm optimize their marketing strategies and internal operations. In 1993, he co-founded the Profit Advisors, a business consulting firm that trained accounting firms to maximize their profit potential. In 2001, he co-founded BizAction and grew that into one of the largest digital newsletters and web marketing providers for accounting firms. BizActions was acquired by Thomson Reuters in 2012, and Gary stayed on as the national sales manager until 2018. He is currently advising CPA firms on sales operations through Integrated Growth Advisors. Gary, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so did I miss anything on my intro there? Uh, uh, pretty, pretty thorough. All right. So you've been in this industry, uh, uh, at least from an advisory standpoint, for quite a while. I I have known, I think, of you, maybe not by name, but through your uh, businesses, through biz actions, and, and probably profit advisors as well. We recently met last week, and, and Dan McMahon, who you work with at Integrated Growth Advisors, Integrated Growth Advisors, had uh, been on the podcast a few weeks back, and he mentioned that uh, he thought it'd be a very interesting conversation to talk with you. And when I started looking at your background, uh, I agree completely. And, and that background, starting back with the, the profit advisors, you know, can you give me some background on that, how that came about, and, and maybe then even you know, go into biz actions? Because that's where, uh, between those two, I think a lot of people have heard of you before. Sure. Well, I was, my two partners were uh, uh, Barry Schimmel and Barry Friedman. Barry Schimmel was managing partner of a CPA firm in Rockville, Maryland. He got disenchanted with basic public accounting and thought he could do more in helping businesses to grow. And I kind of fell into his orbit when he was forming a, a company, he sold his, his CPA practice, and we formed the Profit Advisors in uh, 92, 93. And essentially, we our practice was twofold. We worked and helped businesses to become more conscious of, uh, of their profitability. We had broken it down into component parts of things that, that needed to be examined. And we helped to put together a process in which the uh, managers and owners of a firm would identify profit opportunities. And then we helped them to implement those things. And it was all measurable and manageable. But that was one side where we worked with you know lots and lots of different companies. The other side of it was working with accounting firms. We actually had a, a venture partner with Alan Colton from Practice Development Institute, mm -hmm. and we licensed our methodology to Alan and his group. They actually sold it, and then we went and, uh, uh, you know, they sold it to various accounting firms throughout the country. And then Barry Schimmel and I actually went around the country. We trained hundreds of accounting firms on how to utilize that process with their own, uh, with their own client base. So, so you did so this. I'm sorry. So this started then with uh, with Alan Colton. Uh, uh, I mean, you were advising firms already, but is that how you got into advising more on the CPA and the CPA and this side of things? Was with through Alan? Yeah, that's how we got on the CPA side. We were actually already working with other firms, but we uh, got in touch. You know, with working with Alan, that's how we started releasing what we did to the accounting profession. All right, nice. So, so I cut you off. You were going on. So essentially, we did that for a number of years, and let's just say that I was a 
a lengthy road warrior. We were on the road all the time, consulting and training, working with firms all over the U.S., and we just got tired of traveling. So when we were just doing some brainstorming and we figured one of the things that we kind of came up with was that, uh, uh, you know, CPA firms have difficulty in marketing. The internet was just coming of age. Digital marketing was coming around. And we were one of the very first firms to come up with the idea of an email newsletter. I think we were even before constant contact with yep. email newsletters. But what was differentiated us is that we also recognized that CPA firms could never write any content on their own. So we came up with the idea of maximizing and matching content, which we wrote, and we had writers that did that with technology that we developed, merging that together and really coming up with a business development system utilizing uh, you know, email marketing for accounting firms. And it was so unique that we were able to actually, when a CPA firm, they would tell us basically some of the demographics of the kind of clients that they have, and we would help them target, deliver the kinds of content that they would deliver to those clients. And then on the back end, we were actually able to measure what their clients were looking at, and we could give that insight back in a dashboard to the partners of the firm so that they could gun and better service their clients. Like for example, if a, if they would see a, that a client was interested in estate planning and was reading a lot of articles on estate planning, but they weren't doing any services like that, you would give the kind of the, the measurement to the partner in charge of that client to maybe suggest, hey, have you thought about doing estate planning services? Right. All right. That makes so, a lot of sense. So, so that obviously went well. Uh, Thompson Reuters uh, seemed to like it. And, and then what, 2012, uh, they got involved. Is that what happened? Yeah, they actually started in 2011 talking to us. We actually, they approached us the year before and we said no. And then they approached us a year later and made the proverbial offer you couldn't refuse. And so we said yes. My other couple of partners retired and they brought me in to head up the group. And actually they had actually acquired Alan Colton's company and they merged the two groups together. And I headed up that group within Thompson and had a, a fleet of salespeople around the country that marketed and sold that group. And that one's still going strong today, right? Did they change the name of that? It was called Checkpoint Marketing for Firms. Okay, Checkpoint Marketing. I, I know they got Checkpoint Learning and Checkpoint uh, Research, and so everything's got the Checkpoint name, apparently. Um, and that, so now to transition, so you, you stayed with Thompson Reuters till 18. I think you took a little time off, maybe uh, uh, to uh, maybe off or maybe just uh, consulting. But then uh, as of October of last year, uh, you joined in with Integrated Growth Advisors, and now you're advising uh, CPA firms on sales operations, correct? Correct. And what's that? What's that entail? Because so just before we get to that, then so sales and I, I mentioned this to you, I think, at the beginning sales to me and you told me this has been going on forever. So <laughs> anything I say here is probably uh, not uh, news to anybody. But sales to me with accounting firms, you know, having a background in public accounting, it just always seemed like such a strange a strange thing that you had to be a salesperson and be able to do accounting at the same time and taxes at the same time. And, and just that whole, and in general CPAs, and I hear this all the time from CPAs. I know that CPAs don't like to be sold to, which makes me think they don't like to sell either. And I'm guessing that's the case because of the way I look at it is education, but I'm, I'm rambling here for a second. So now dealing with CPA firms and having this, years of maybe uh, resistance to different sales techniques. How do you go out and, and help them set up these operations? How do you, to be a successful firm, obviously you need to bring in no business. So how, what is 
today's role that you're doing with CPAs? Well, first of all, I think as you would agree, no one goes into the CPA profession to become a salesperson. No. But there's a role for every person in a CPA firm in sales. Now, obviously, there's going to be a few people who are the rainmakers that are very comfortable with going out, making presentations and closing business. But then there's everybody else, you know, that can be in a supporting role. So this is the thing, and you just said it, you don't go into public accounting to go into sales. Most people don't. I know some people in public accounting that are just unbelievable at bringing in business. That's just their role. Um, in fact, I've had some on this podcast, um, but that to me, it's not the norm. So if I'm a new, you know, a young guy in a CPA firm, I know to become partner eventually, I have to have this book of business. And how am I going to get this book of business? I'm going to have to bring in business. And so how do I go do that? I mean, if I'm not, I don't have that sales personality. And I don't look at myself as a salesperson. I bring in business now, but I don't look at that. And I never would have when I started public accounting. How do, how do you get past that? How do you start to get comfortable with being somebody that can bring in business? Well, I think, first of all, you know, there's going to be people in a CPA firm, no matter how hard they try, uh, they're, they're never going to be salespeople. And I think that really determines, you know, I guess on partner track, people who can bring in business are going to be rainmakers and are going to be more inclined to be on a partner track. And of course, there'll be technical oriented partners as well. But I don't think there's the expectation, there's a hope that they're going to bring in business. But the reality is that they're probably not. Right. And that's, the, one that's the, the part that confuses me, because you could be the greatest technician in the world. I mean, if you can't bring a business, does that mean you're not going to be a partner? I mean, that's a, probably a question for another day. I know that's not the case. I know things are, at least today, are, are analyzed different. But going back to that sales opportunity, how do I get comfortable with that then? Well, let's take it to a couple simplistic things. All right. yep. First of all, let's say that you know it's a partner has, they're not necessarily a great salesperson. They have a book of business or even a technical partner that has a book of business. Okay, I would venture that if you go through your client base, there's a percentage of your clients that are not taking advantage of all the services that that firm provides that they might need. So there's tremendous amount of business development opportunities just going back to the well to your existing client base. And again, this isn't new. The same thing, as I said, was said 30 years ago, right. but it's, it's true today. If you go, if you have 100 clients, I bet you could find 10 clients that have a service need that you're not providing yep. if you just ask. No, no, that that's for sure. And and that's, I thought you'd probably touch on that because that's always a great opportunity is to bring in, especially if you have a great relationship with this client and you have additional services, you're not offering them, um, um, bring them in. So I guess let's back up for a second. So we talked about the sales process and you and I talk a little bit offline at the beginning is, you know, you try to back into that. If somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I want a million dollars in new business, um, you know, as the sales operations advisor, what's your process? How do you, how do you go through that with them? Well, I think you've got to look at it and basically look at it component parts. So first of all, you have to say, okay, so let's, you want a million dollars. Where do you want? Do you want it just to come out of the sky or do you have particular practice areas? Do you want it particular industries? Do you want a particular services? So break it down to the component parts of, okay, I want to get, you know, X number of dollars from manufacturing, X number of dollars from not-for-profit, X number of dollars from construction, or maybe I do 401k audits. I want to get a certain amount from that or other peripheral services. So let's break it down into what growth areas you want within the firm. And then from within there, figure out what is the average size of your transaction of, of an engagement? 
Okay, so if it's if it's thirty thousand dollars or ten thousand or whatever the number is, then determine how many of those engagements you have to have to get that number. So maybe it's got to be you have to bring in five new manufacturing clients. Okay, so now you got to look at who's going to make the sales calls. Who? How are you going to get that? Okay, so it could be that maybe a certain number of them, and this is something that accountants are really bad at, going to your existing clients and asking who can you recommend or suggest in your industry that might be a good contact. I mean, this is common sense stuff that unfortunately not everybody does because they never take the time to do it. So you might find be able to get five meetings with potential prospects just by asking your existing clients who are happy and satisfied to refer someone. So you gotta figure out how many opportunities do I have to get in front of in order to close five new clients. So, and it's gonna be based on the typical closure rates of partners. It can be based on where you can get leads from. And if you can't get leads, how are you gonna go about getting those leads? Is it, are you gonna have a marketing campaign? Are you gonna identify maybe a group of 100 manufacturers in your you know geographic area that you're gonna start marketing to? And what's the message? And the other thing is part of the messaging, You know, there's tons of accountants out there that are gonna say that we do great work for a manufacturer. What differentiates you? If you were talking to a, a manufacturing client, why should they consider you versus anybody else? And what do you bring to the table that they would even want to consider leaving their present provider? What can you do above and beyond somebody that they're already working with? So these are all the questions you need to be asked down to the point of, okay, now how do you get in front of them? You know, so a typical CPA does not like to make cold calls. So somebody got to make the calls to get the appointments to get you in front of them. And the other problem with CPAs, they have a tendency, they realize that they got a meeting with a new prospect and they decide to start thinking about the meeting five minutes before they walk in the door. That doesn't work either. So what kind of preparation? How do you go and prepare? What should you, what information you need to find out and what questions you need to ask and what should be the process? And what happens in many cases with a CPA when they go into these meetings, you know, they spend, it's the 80-20 rule. They spend 80 percent of the time talking and 20 percent of the time listening right. and it should be the reverse 20 percent asking questions and 80 percent and and what i like to look at is you're basically going in there to try to what i call gap analysis it's trying to figure out where that firm is where they want to get to and trying to identify what's holding them back from getting there and asking questions and then really you know it's an often used word but we want to uncover the pain mm-hmm. And, and establish and justify a cost of that pain and how our CPA firm can help your firm move forward to get past that to be made more profitable, effective, and productive. Right. So it's not necessarily just your elevator pitch, which you heard. I mean, the problem is I don't think people in general want to, they're not going to, if you send them something, they're not going to read two pages of information on you. So I think you have to be concise in that. I would assume you agree on your message. Yes. But then it can't be generic either, because like you just said, you need to find their pain. You know, everybody's pain's not the same. So you need to be prepared to listen. You said that as well. And mm-hmm. and have the answers that they need. Correct? Yes. Okay. And then, so a couple of things that you said, asking for those referrals, I think, and again, as a CPA, I, I always think everybody thinks like me, which they don't. They think, I'm sure everybody has their own thought process, but I get so hung up on the education aspect of thing. Okay, I just educated this person. All right, I know what they need. They've told me, now I'm gonna educate them and tell them how they can get there, you know, what what I can help them with. 
but half the time I forget to say, okay, so, you know, do you have five clients I can look at then to help? You got to, you got to ask for the sale on top. And it's like, you can't just say, okay, I've educated, I'm good to go. Uh, am I uncommon with that? Or is that a common thing to forgetting to ask for the sale? I think that that's very common that, uh, you know, that they, they want to let nature run its course, but it doesn't happen automatically. You have to, when you're sitting down, if you're, if you're a, a manager or a technical partner, when you're sitting in front of one of your clients and saying, you know, and, and I use a firm term called reframing, you know, you don't want to just come out and ask it and say, Hey, you know, Joe, you know, we've been working with you for 10 years. You seem to like our work. You know, our firm is in a growth spurt right now. And we depend upon the best sources of us growing is finding satisfied, you know, referrals from clients that are happy working with us. Could you help us? Who do you know that is similar to you that might be a good candidate in the manufacturing arena for us to go and speak with on your recommendation? Right. And if you've showed them, if you've worked with them, if you've given them good service, they're obviously going to be more than happy to, uh, to refer you to other people. So that's part of it as well, I guess. You got to make sure your service is there, but I'm sure every firm is doing that. So I cut you off on your whole process. Uh, I, I'm cutting you off a few times today. I just, this, this topic is such a I have a hard time wrapping my brain around the whole sales aspect of thing because in my mind, it's the, okay, you know, you join this uh, group of uh, this manufacturing association, you get to know people in there and, and, and you educate them there. You, you, you join this group, um, but it's so easy to, to look at your existing clients, I think you said, and, and not only see what else you can do for them, but what else you can uh, ask for referrals from them. So I cut you off on that. So you were helping us go through that process, identifying, you know, the, the number of clients we need to, to contact and where, where'd we leave off on that? Oh, I think it's, 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 it's the whole, as I said, don't wing it when you go in those meetings. In other words, be prepared. Who's coaching, who's coaching the partner to make sure that he's doing or he or she is doing the right component things when they're going to that meeting. And, and the other key thing of a meeting is all too often CPAs, they have a meeting, they think it's great, and they don't get a next step. So I'm yes. very big on the word continuance. And, and it's also, I two things, qualification and continuance. And qualification is making sure that you have a viable candidate, and continuance is that you have a bona fide next step. Now, I like to use the analogy as like when I'm on a sales call, I'm like, an, I'm like an orchestra director or a director of a stage play, okay? So all too often what happens is you go into a meeting and somebody says, uh, well, this is going to be a good meeting. I'll, I'll give you a call. I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks and I'll let you know what we're going to do. Well, that doesn't cut it, mm -hmm. okay? you got to ask the questions basically, hey, if I met your expectations, has this been a good meeting? You know, they say, yes, it's a good Okay, so what are the next steps that we need to do to carry this thing in the evaluation process forward so you can determine if uh, if this is this could be if we could be a viable resource for your firm? Right. That seems like a it seems like a no-brainer, but I'm not sure everybody thinks that way. So that's why we need you to advise us on this. Yeah, another point to, to make with this is that I had a mentor many, many years ago, and he taught me that the most successful salespeople are able to determine who not to spend their time on. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, because the most viable, valuable, non-recurring asset that we have is time. And we all have been guilty of chasing firms that we're never, ever, ever going to be able to go and close. So you have to know when you reach a point. You know, I basically, when I'm on a sales call, I want to know one of two things. I want to know either I can move this sales forward or it's not a viable opportunity. And we both don't waste either of our times. And is, do you ask them that? I mean, do you come out and just say, hey, is this something that you you think we can help you with or we can we help you with this or or is this not something that you're you're looking to get done how do you how do you determine that well i would basically ask them you know even something so simple as hey we've talked about a lot of things now i realize your firm has uh you know a process to evaluate and make a final decision but let's just say right now if you were the sole decision maker right now and you had to decide yes or no on what we talked about what would your decision be right. and if they say yes that this is great. They say, okay, now let's talk about the steps we need to do to convince others in your firm. If they say no, and it says, that's okay. So share with me, what is it that we missed in this, in our discussion so far that you're, that would lead you to that decision? And I don't think that's, I think CPAs in general think that would be an uncomfortable situation maybe, and it's not. It's easy enough. You're just being honest. Share with me what we've, what we've learned today uh, the, from you've learned from me, and now I'd like to learn from you. So I, I, that's, I think great advice. It just seems, again, this whole sales and public accounting thing uh, just is an odd dichotomy for years and it has to be it, it has to be done and and that's why we need people that have to have the uh, the sense to do the right thing like you to be out there advising us so i appreciate that one thing i want to uh, uh you know you can uh, i think go further on that if you'd like but one thing i want to ask is today's world's a little different you know where you and i are sitting on a zoom call which we probably would always done it this way but a lot more sales and meetings have gone to virtual and it's not as easy to travel across the country for meetings and that has there been anything that you've been working on that you've had to advise your cpa contacts with on on how to change how you get new business in the pandemic well first of all i got to mention that i've been working virtually since 2001 all right, there you go. And you know, we we made we were one of the trendsetters in it because we woke up one day and realized that a lot of the technical people were all over the country. Uh, we had an opportunity to sell the office space that we were in, and we said, "Gee, do we want to rent more space?" And they said, well, "Why should we?" So we started. We we created a totally virtual infrastructure. You know, what nineteen years ago. Uh, with biz actions and it was just incredibly successful and we had salespeople around the country and let me put it this way if you had a salesperson that had to go and drive around in a metropolitan area or in a region they'd be lucky if they could get one or two appointments a day i had salespeople that were able to book four to six appointments a day you do think, the math. Yeah, I think I, I think you were well ahead of it and I think more firms are going to be going that way. And honestly, I've I love get in front of the CPA firms I deal with. I love going to see them. I love, you know, uh, uh, you know, educating them, like I keep saying, but I've determined and I've found out in this uh, new world we live in, I don't have to do that. Uh, you know, I don't have to fly over a hundred thousand miles a year anymore to, to be out in front of people that'll continue. I, there will be some going forward, but I think that makes a lot of sense. So, so that's something you've advised people on for years then it sounds like. 
Yeah, I think, look, there's a place in time that you need to meet people. And I certainly, I've gone to tons of conferences in my time. I've done tons of public presentations. You know, speeches and things are a great way for people to get to see you in person and, and, and get to know you. But I think with a day in, day out, you can be far more effective doing it virtually because, again, it's just by sheer geography, you can't get in front of enough people by driving around or being on airplanes. Right. And, it's a, and sales is a numbers game. Yep. The more people you're in front of, the higher propensity you have, better chance of being able to close business. Well, that goes back into your whole, hey, you're looking to grow business in this area. How many meetings do you have to have to get, uh, you know, each engagement's worth 20 grand for you and you want a million dollars in new business. Um, you know, how do you get to there? I guess it's a lot easier if you're sitting in your office and at home or at the office rather than sitting on a plane for in hotels the majority of the time. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's going to be more that's what's going on. All right. So we, I jumped us around quite a bit there. Um, I didn't know if there was anything you wanted to end on that, the whole process that I kept interrupting you on uh, before we move on to something else. Well, let me just kind of give like a little silver bullet. Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. So one of the things that I always do when I start a sales presentation is it, let's say it was either they responded to something with marketing or it was a referral or something, I'd sit down with them and say, hey, you know, I want to thank you very much for agreeing to meet with me. You know, you know my background and I'm, we're going to be talking about, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Okay. So the two questions I would ask is, why did you agree to your time is really valuable? What was your incentive? What, what, what was your motivation to agree with, to meet with me today? And for this to be a good use of your time, what would you hope to accomplish from our time together? Yep. Those two questions, basically, I can sit back and have somebody talk for a half hour just on responding to those two questions. Right. And then they're going to tell you what the pain is, you know, that we talked about before in that scenario, right? You're getting right off the bat why they want to talk and what's going to be important to them rather than you telling them what you want to say. <laughs> Instead, you get to hear what they want to hear and then you can address that. That makes a lot of sense. Those are good tips there. I appreciate that. All right, before we, before we, we're going to wrap up here shortly, and I appreciate that info. Uh, sales, I don't know why it's such a weird thing to me. Um, I do it all the time now, but I think it's not just me. And so anything that you can do to advise people to help them, you know, every firm wants to, well, majority of firms want to grow. I'm assuming, the, uh, in fact, that the, the uh, Inside Public Accounting's top 400 just came out. And, you know, obviously, uh, top 400, the uh, people want to get on there and see their name in the in the bright light. So everybody's looking to grow and, and sales is a way to do that. Uh, obviously, the, the way to do that. So so we we need help with you. So what I want to uh, uh, end on, and, and we'll give you an opportunity to give a way that people can get a hold of you, but I want to end on you know, you mentioned that you've been working virtually for a long time, 2001, almost 20 years of working virtually, which means you can pretty much work wherever you want. Where are you working these days? Uh, I guess, uh, where are you living? I'm in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, essentially, I, we founded Biz Actions and Profit Advisors in Rockville, Maryland. And when we, I worked a year at home uh, in 2001, 2002. And then I was looking at it and said, my kids were out of the house. Why do I have to go and fight the northern winters? And so a bunch of us all moved south. So I'm living in Sarasota, Florida now. Sounds like a nice place to be living. Uh, um, you know, especially uh, with 
winter getting closer than I hope it's getting. <laughs> it could be an interesting winter. So in Sarasota, that's nice. And I know one thing uh, you enjoy uh, biking and golfing. So that's, uh, I guess, the fun fact for today. Uh, are you able to get out and golf and do your biking as much as you want uh, these days? Well, I used to go when I when I was working with, uh, you know, a, really a, a very scheduled job with, say, Thompson Reuters, I would go and, and finish up my day at a certain time. And before dinner, I would go on an hour bike ride every single day almost. Nice. And then with heavy riding on the weekend. So it's been something that I really enjoy. It's a way to blow off steam. And it's a way where I can think through my day and do planning with no one bothering me. It is nice. I like I like biking as well. I I actually, for years, could not ride a bike because I had a really bad knee from too many basketball injuries. And I got that replaced four years ago now. First thing I did, as soon as I could bend my knee over 90 degrees again, was went out and bought a bike. And man, I enjoyed doing that, riding outside and just enjoying the weather. And I'm in Chicago. We can't do it all year long, but uh, the, the months that we can, it, it's a great, it's a great activity. And I agree completely with that. All right. So, so I guess golf though, are you getting out before we close up? Are you getting out golfing as, enough, as much as you want right now? I manage to get out twice a week and somehow that, that can be, that can be a, a even more frustrating than being in business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Biking, you get to clear your mind and just sit out and relax. Golf's not going to be the same way, I guess. You got two different ends of the, the, the uh, uh, spectrum there. Well, in, in, if you've ever played golf in Florida or never played, we have tons and tons of water that you have to hit over and, and hitting over water is very unforgiving. And, and, and what's amazing, you don't know what golf, what's frustrating about the game is I can go a couple month span, play the best golf that I've ever played in my life. And then the next time I go out, it totally disappears for a month and you can't figure out why. Yeah, I I, uh, I used to golf a lot, and that would happen to me. And I never got to be a very, really good golfer. I got better with the time, but man, it could get so frustrating. You just have to kind of remember it's just for fun. The other thing you got in Florida with all that water is alligators uh, as well, which to me would not be a. Uh, I'm guessing if you go in the water, you're not going to look for that ball, right? No, well, I could show you pictures of gators, and they're everywhere. I mean, when I used to live in uh, up in Maryland and Western Pennsylvania, deer were everywhere. Well, yep. here, gators are everywhere. I mean, I live in a, and my house overlooks a lake, and uh, I have a, you know, we have cages in lanai's, you know, they're they're right. caged in pool areas, and behind it, I have a grassy knoll that leads out to the lake. Well, it's not uncommon to see a gator sunning in my backyard. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I don't think I'd mind the weather. I'm not sure I'd like my a gator in my backyard, which I'm sure you get used to. But, um, but yeah, being out golfing and and biking more often than I can here would be great. Well, Gary, I really appreciate this. Again, I think it's one of the most important things that that you know, CPA firms need to concentrate on and is learning how to go and uh, ask for the business and and generate new business, obviously, and and I'm becoming CPAs within their firm, you know because they all know that, that uh, bringing in revenue, you don't have to be the biggest rainmaker in the world, but at least everybody needs to try to bring in some revenue. So any techniques you can help them with, that's awesome. Before we close, um, if people do want to get a hold of you, uh, you know, websites, emails, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, um, integratedgrowthadvisors.com. There's a, a website you can go to. Um, you can reach me on my, uh, my cell number is 941 587 7049. 
Nice. We've been giving, having more guests give out cell numbers, which I always give out my cell number, which is nice because especially these days, everybody's mobile and out on the road. And I don't think anybody has any problem with the people trying to get a hold of them anywhere. Well, again, thank you very much. I really appreciate that you being here today. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely take your words of advice into uh, everything I do. It was funny as a side note, just to, as something not to do for people. Uh, I had a, a call with a potential new um, referral source a couple of weeks ago. They wanted to know, you know a bunch of things about what we do and how we do it so that they could go out to uh, advise their they were a, um, a holding company. They owned a bunch of companies. So they wanted the, the companies that they own, uh, you know, see if we could help them with. It was research and development tax credits at that time. And so I educated them so that they knew what to look for and, and got off the call. And I was on with someone else from our company. And, and she said to me, why didn't you ask for the business? I go, I don't know. I was so busy just educating them. I forgot to ask for the client. <laughs> so obvious thing. I didn't think about it. That's why you're out there. So it's a, it's a don't do what I did story there. And I'm sure you <laughs> see that all the time, right? Or Indeed. my bad. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. And you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode, where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading-edge management techniques and styles. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.